the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Back in 1979, I was 14 years old. Don't do any math. I'll just tell you I'm 53, but that's the way I, I, I think it. About, about that time, I was about 14, and my best friend was 14, and he'd already been driving for a couple of years at that time, even though we didn't have a license yet, but he worked with his dad, and his name was Hal, and he was my best friend, and boy, we got in a lot of trouble. Have you ever tried to back a trailer or a boat or anything? It's pretty difficult. Well, not for Hal. His dad let us use his old fiberglass boat. It was one of those kind you, that you'd sit in the front and steer. It didn't have a steering wheel, but it had a, like a stick. Push it forward to go left, push it, hold it back to go right, and had a throttle over here. Old-fashioned boat, had a Chrysler outboard motor on it. I, never, I didn't even know Chrysler made boat motors, but I guess they did back in those days. And his dad said that we could take the boat to the lake. So we took it down to Lakeview, and uh, he backed that sucker right down the ramp like he, he knew what he was doing. He'd been driving for close to two years by that point, so... The only bad thing was we forgot to undo the straps that that connect it to the trailer, you know, so it don't bounce off the trailer. We knew to pull the plug because we had done that the time before, you know, to put the plug in there. But this time we forgot to take the straps off, and when he backed it down instead of the boat floating, the boat went under with the trailer. And I looked back, how? Go forward, man. And so he, and we pulled it out, and we spent the next 10 minutes bailing the boat out so we could try again. Then we took the straps off, and, and we, we got it in. And we, we had fishing poles and stuff, but we were so excited to be driving the boat, really, was what we was out there for. So we zipped up and down the lake, and that Chrysler was just a going, you know. We had every fisherman on the lake mad. They was over there trying to fish, and we creating waves, you know, we, coming down the lake. <coughs> About long, about 10, 10.30, we, we sat the boat down out in the middle of the lake and cut it off and pulled out our Vienna sausages and their, what's them sardine things that he was eating, and potted meat. That's the th- I don't know why fishermen feel like they, that's what they have to eat when they, when they go fishing, but that's what we had, crackers and that stuff. And so we was eating, and in my lightning fast 14-year-old mind, I thought to myself, and I said it out loud was the problem, I said, how? I wonder how fast this boat will go in reverse. He said, oh, no, we can find out. He cranked that that Chrysler motor up. And before I could even hold on, he had slammed it into reverse as far as it go. And that thing said, and that motor cranked up and just took us back. But instead of going this way, it went this way. And I was sitting in the back, and the boat went straight underwater. And I'm up to my waist in water, and that Merc- that uh, Chrysler motor, I can hear it somewhere in the distance, about four foot underwater, trying to pull us underwater. Hal's up in the front trying to hold on. And I thought he's going to drown. You know what I said? No, that's not what I said, but I will tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> 
So hold on, we'll finish that story before we leave. But we got to get to our message. Today's message is part four of our series, Shout for the Victory. Might be the last message of this series, I'm not sure. But today's message is called, Keep Moving Forward. Don't see how fast you can go in reverse. Keep moving forward. Wasn't it Rocky Balboa, my favorite? He said, it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Right? Keep moving. Say, keep moving forward. That's what we got to do as a people, as individuals, as a church. We got to keep moving forward. We can't be anchored to the past. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version in verse 7. If you don't have a Bible, we should have it on the screen here. Do not be deceived. Now, we could stop and preach here for a month. I feel like we could stop and preach there for a month. There's a lot of deception going on. You got to know what you know. You got to know in whom you have believed, and you got to know the voice that is speaking to you. I'm trying. I'm trying not to preach every everything this morning. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. That's just saying. Look, you're not going to make a fool out of God. If God said it, that's the way it is. If you're planting good seed in your life, you're going to get a good harvest. If you're doing stupid stuff. You're following after the devil. You're planting bad seed. Well, guess what? The wages of sin is what? So God's not mocked. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. In fact, it probably works stronger if you're a Christian because you should know better. For he who sows to the flesh, or this old sinful nature that we used to operate out of, will of the flesh reap corruption. Why? Because the only thing the flesh produces is corrupt. But he who sows to the Spirit, and that word Spirit is capitalized, that means the Holy Spirit. Not just your born-again Spirit, but the Holy Spirit. He who sows to the Spirit, or he who listens to the Holy Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And now the verse that I wanted to get to, verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Look at your neighbor. Say, keep moving forward. I know you've been working in the nursery. It seems like every week you're tired and you're wore out. I know you get here early and you, you're passing out the, the pens and the papers in the back. of the, and, and I know that you're always bringing people to church. And I know it seems like nobody else is giving, but you're giving. And I know that all these things are going on. You're the one at, at your work that gets there on time. Nobody else does. You're doing good. And it seems like nobody else is. And you, you just want to say, well, I'm going to quit too. Don't quit. Don't quit. Sometimes it don't seem like it's making a difference. But I can promise you, you're planting good seed and that harvest is going to return to you. 
It's coming. It, you may not see it, but you are better off now than you would have been if you would have kept going the way you were going, and you know it. And so you keep pressing on. Now, last, a couple of weeks ago, we started this, mer- uh, this message with a shout, and we claimed victory. We responded to the ram's horn, the, the trumpet of God, the voice of God, and we responded with a shout because we're believing God is bringing us to victory. And then the next week, we talked about how we're going to get to the victory with humility. We're not going to take credit for the victory when it gets here. We're going to give all the glory to God. That way, because uh, God's not going to share his glory with anybody, and if you're going to take the glory, he's going to back out. So we're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to give him all the glory. And then last week was an awesome message talking about joy, stirring up the joy, because that's this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we talked about Nehemiah building the wall and all that. Well, this week we're going to talk about keeping positive momentum. You know what momentum is, right? You get it going, you keep it going. You don't throw on the brakes when you got a good thing going. Now, Gideon, God whittled him down to just 300 men. But guess who initiated the attack against the 100,000-man army? The 300. If they'd have sat back and waited for the 100,000 to surround them, that'd have been in big trouble. But those 300 moved forward and surrounded the enemy and threw them into a panic attack. We talked about uh, Joshua when they were circling the walls of Jericho. It was God's plan. Circle the city once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, circle it six times, and then on the seventh time around, I want you to shout for the victory. And we know those walls came down. But God told the people, don't say a word when you're circling. Just blow, blow the ram's horn. Just keep listening to the voice of God. Keep blowing the ram's horn. Don't be talking among yourselves, because people got a bad habit of talking among themselves and, and picking out things. And griping and complaining. Well, why are we walking around this way? If we walk around that way, it'd be shorter. <laughs> well, I don't even understand this anyway. Why are we, we should need to be building a ramp. We don't even have any weapons. You know, if, if he had allowed the people to talk, they would have completely talked themselves out of them. Half of them would have broke rank and went the other way. There would have been nobody to circle the city. So sometimes, there's a lesson in that. When you hear yourself, whack, 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 zip it. You're talking yourself out of your destiny. You're talking yourself out of your victory. Some people just want to sit back and, and analyze every single piece of what's going on. And like Ricky says, won't you just stay in your lane? If, if you ain't working in the nursery, why you got to criticize the nursery? If you cared about the nursery, you'd be working in the nursery. Make where you are better. And, and wang, wang, wang all the time is not helping anything or anybody. We talked about Nehemiah. Then he had a wall to build. And he was intent on moving forward. It says in that story that the enemy actually hired a so-called man of God to go and talk Nehemiah to come down off the wall and come talk with the enemy. And the whole time the enemy was just waiting there to kill him. 
a so-called man of God, went to Nehemiah and said, come down. But Nehemiah says, I'm not coming down because I'm doing a great work. When you know what you're doing is from God, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't come down off the wall. Keep building. And when all the people that Nehemiah was leading, and they were building, and they had a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other, and they were getting tired. And they were feeling overwhelmed. They were getting weary and well-doing, so to speak. And what Nehemiah say in Nehemiah 4.14? He said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Remember your why. Why are you doing this in the first place? See, when you lose sight of why you're serving, why you're doing what you're doing, you lose sight of the vision. That's why you write the vision and make it plain so you know where you're going so that, so that when you're getting tired and your head's down and you're sweating and you're, well, I just want to quit for a minute. But you, you oh, I got to get there. I got to get there. And you remember why you're doing what you're doing. You remember why, because Jesus died on the cross for you, Right? You remember what he went through, how he kept moving forward and wouldn't quit for you. And so you keep moving forward. Remember your God who is great and glorious. And he said, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. You understand we can't quit. We've come too far. We can't quit. You can't quit. You've broken generational curses in your family. Things that were there for hundreds of years maybe. Your great-grandfather and his great-grandfather used to beat their wives or, or, or was alcoholics or drug addicts or did this. Or, or And you broke it. You broke it and you're teaching. You're, you're going to teach your children something different. You can't quit now. Are you kidding me? You've come too far. Remember your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your great-grandchildren to come. You are a difference maker. And don't you listen to that enemy. Jesus was even more adamant. In Luke 9, 63, or 62, he said, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow, that means begins to work for the kingdom of God, and then looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Like Nicholas said, Jesus doesn't mince words. <laughs> if anybody is tell you, shoot you straight. I guess the truth would shoot you straight, wouldn't he? Don't set your hand to the plow and then pull back. In another place, he says, if you're going to build a tower, you need to count the cost so you don't get halfway through and quit and everybody laugh at you. You've got a Christian witness on the line here. You can't stop. Your life affects too many other people. You've got to keep moving forward. Say, keep moving forward. Refuse to unhitch from your vision. Refuse. Have you lost sight 
of your vision? Have you forgotten that God gave you dreams and purpose? Because this life can be long. And there's seasons. And it's a slow fade. It's this thing called a slow fade. The devil is working to try to just get you to get your mind off of your vision for a moment. And then for two moments. Then for a week. Then for a month. He's trying to get you down to this place where you lose sight of what you're doing and who you are and whose child you are. That's why being faithful is so important. Being faithful to church. If you just make up your mind on the front end, I'm just going to be at church when the doors are open. You don't allow your flesh to come in and make the decision when you're tired and don't feel like it. You just go ahead and decide on the front end, this is who I am, this is what I do then you won't, you won't experience these slow fades because you've proactively already stated that I'm going to stay strong. It's like working out. you got to have a schedule and you got to stick with it. I'm preaching real good. Y'all ain't listening fast enough. What are some of the things that keep us from moving forward? The biggest thing I see in people's lives is their past. They just won't unsaddle from the past. They just stay saddled up on the past. And you know if you're trying to move forward, but you're being pulled backwards, you're not going to move forward like God wants you to. And we get saddled with the things of our past. Look at the banner over there. The one that says, No God, find freedom. Discover purpose and make a difference. See, we come here to know God so that we can begin to find freedom from the past. When you know God, you know you, you can be forgiven. You receive that forgiveness. You begin to let go of the past and all the things that have held you captive and bound. You were once chained to the enemy. But now you're free. Then you begin to discover, I have a purpose in my life. And that's when life gets good and you begin to make a difference. That's moving forward, my friends. That's, what, that's the way God has shown it to us. But somewhere along the way, it's so tempting to dredge up old past hurts. Things that you thought that you had, you, that doesn't affect me anymore. Then here they come again. Some people just can't forgive themselves. The Bible says he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. But we can't forgive ourselves. We're still seeing ourselves through the lens of who we used to be. But old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new for the child of God. Old things are passed away. Put them away. Leave them in the past. The old fears... And a big thing is we hold unforgiveness for other people's sins. And we think, well, that ain't got anything to do with me. It has everything to do with you. It makes you bitter on the inside. It's like a rot on the inside of you when you're holding something against someone else. The Bible says that the Father won't even forgive you of your sins if you won't forgive other people of their sins. 
You'll be so much more free if you just let it all go. Now, we could talk for a month on that too about the pain of and the things that we've been through and how they don't deserve it. It ain't about them. It's about you. It's about you doing right before God. I'm not saying let that person back in your life. I'm not saying let that person hurt you again, put yourself back in that position. None of that. I'm just saying let it go. Give it to God. Say, I forgive them, God. Help me, Jesus, so that I can keep moving forward. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, people are watching you. Your witness counts. Other people that don't know Jesus, they may be watching you and you don't know it. And they're trying to see what this Jesus is all about. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. My goodness. We should have let all that go. We, Jesus came to set us free from that. We were forgiven for that. Why would we be entangled again into the yoke of bondage? Go back into slavery. That would be ignorant. Stay away from sin. I mean, that's a whole nother month there. But let us run with endurance. Endurance. That means you got to endure. There's going to be times where you don't feel like it, but you endure. Run with endurance the race that is set behind us. No. Where's the race? Before us. See, we're not running in reverse. We're not seeing how fast the, the old Chrysler will go in reverse anymore. That's the way we used to live. Today, we're running the race set before us. The victory is ahead and not behind. The, the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 is in the front. There's no armor in the back because God doesn't expect you to turn tail and run. He expects you to stand and having done all to stand, stand there for. <laughs> you know, the Bible is full of history. But it's full of history to give you ammunition to, to move forward with. To, to, so you can run, march into the future better prepared. We learn about the past. We understand the past. We don't try to recreate the past. We don't dismiss the past, the things that we've learned, but we just don't go back to the past. We move forward knowing the past so that we can march into the future better armed. The Bible is full of, of power and hope. It's all for the future. We can't go back. The Apostle Paul said this one thing I do. is forgetting the past. Pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You press on. There's a mark. There's, there's always a mark that you're pressing to. You may not know the end of where your life is headed, but you know that there's a mark. Your mark might be Ricky's mark just to stay in your lane for right now. Till you understand what your purpose is. We're all at different places of understanding our lane, and what our mark is. But it's there. 
The Bible is more like a windshield than a rearview mirror. If you're just trying to go forward, but you can't stop looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to go into a ditch. It's good to know what went on back there, but the majority of your time should be spent moving forward. Why did, why did Jesus ask the guy that we talked about recently that had been lame for 38 years, laid up at the pool of Bethesda, why did Jesus ask him, do you want to be healed? That seemed like a silly question. I've been laid up here 38 years. What do you mean, do I want to be healed? There's a lot of people who've grown accustomed to living in their squalor. They're saddled to the past. They're saddled to right now. Some of us are saddled to right now. This is what we know. We feel comfortable. We don't, we're not good with change at all. And Jesus says, I make all things new. Jesus has always got fresh bread in the house. He's always doing new things. If a church is stuck to their old programs and their old ways and, and is not listening to the voice of the Lord, you're not moving forward. There's a life cycle. There's a time for everything under the sun, and there's a time for old programs to be done away with. You've got to keep moving forward. That's what keeps life exciting. I knew this guy one time. He grew up in our neighborhood, and that was back when they come up with three strikes and you're out deal. And he was like a career criminal, and he finally did enough bad stuff, armed robbery and stuff. They put him away for life. And I asked his brother about him one day about 25, 30 years later. I said, whatever happened to your brother? He said, well, he's been in federal prison all this time. And he said, last year, they finally paroled him, and he fought against being paroled. He didn't want out. He had grown accustomed to living in the prison, and he didn't want to leave the prison. You don't think that happens? Won't you examine your own life before you say that? Because some of us are holding on to some stuff that really should have been gone a long time ago. They finally forced him out. And he went out and committed a crime on purpose and got caught on purpose so that they had put him back in jail and he's still in jail to this day. He was born a free man into this world and he decided to live in bondage his entire adult life. You know, victory is hard, yes. I guess coming out into the real world could be kind of scary if you've got somebody fixing your meals three times a day and you got... Your cot to sleep on and your little TV and everything. No responsibilities. Victory is hard. I'll give you that. Defeat requires nothing of you. Anybody can be defeated. Anybody can live defeated. Anybody can just exist. But you know what Jesus told that guy that had been lame for 38 years? He said, pick up your mat. No, he said, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. If you want to be healed, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. 
Don't just lay there. Don't just sit there in your squalor. Victory is hard. You got to stand. You got to walk. You got to pick up some stuff. You got to tote things. You got to do what you've been doing and you felt like nobody's appreciating, but God's paying attention to everything you do. He keeps good records. And he's coming back with his rewards. Don't you dare think that when you stood when nobody else would, when you picked up your mat when everybody laid down on theirs, or when you took off walking when they stayed behind, don't you dare think Jesus didn't notice. God has not given us spirit of fear. Fear holds so many people back from stepping into what God has had for them the whole time. Fear paralyzes it, and it causes us to want to settle. Just settle for where I'm at, for what I'm doing. You know, I could still be at my last job, Power and Telephone Supply. I worked there 18 years. Had a 401K. I had medical insurance. I had benefits, all kind of benefits. Made lots of money. Would have been easy. But there was a stirring. God's calling me to something. God's calling me to do something. Well, what if I was still in those four cubicle walls, those little carpeted walls right now, instead of doing this? What if you stayed within the four walls of your, your comfort and you never stepped out and you never took a chance? You never busted free and said, I'm trusting you, God, come hell or high water. What if? Did I just cuss in church? <laughs> See, then I was taking a chance. A... No, hell is not a cuss word. It's a place. And it's real. Are you saddled to your past? Are you saddled to your present? Is this church... The easy thing to do would have just been, let's just keep doing what we're doing. We're nice and we're comfortable. We got the bills paid. We got us a little place. We got padded purple chairs for everybody to sit on. And this guy quits his job and comes in here and starts trying to push us to actually see lives changed, to grow and to, to go into the neighborhoods and to, to have a vision and, and to raise up disciples and to do all these things. There's a guy on the wall saying he's not coming down. But what happens when tragedy strikes? When someone dies. Someone divorces. Someone gets a diagnosis that they don't want to hear about. When, when somebody just rips your guts out, your best friend turns on you. What happens when these kind of things happen in your life? Am I saying, well, we don't even, it don't affect me. I just move straight on forward. I just walk right on through. Nope, like I said, there's a time and a season. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to cry. There's a time 
that, that you're going to be brought to your knees by the circumstances of life, and you're going to, the last thing you're thinking about is, is the nursery. That you're going to just be overwhelmed. And like Miss Vicky, you're just, all you can do is, I can't do nothing but hit my knees and call on the name of Jesus, like Chad said. That's all I can do right now. That's all I can muster is the name of Jesus. And I'm going to have to step back from, for a time. Or see, I'm not saying there's not ebbs and flows. That's what Pastor Vickers taught me. I, he would tell me, you know, I'd say, Pastor, it seemed like we were growing, but then we'd move back and some people would quit and two new people would come and three old people would leave. And I'm like, I don't understand it, Lord. It seemed like we got a wonderful church and everything. He, he's saying, calm down. Life is about ebbs and flows. There were times when we were growing so fast, I was all scared. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're not ready for all these people. And then there were times like, I don't think we're ever going to grow. Ebbs and flows. Life comes in ebbs and flows. And you got to learn to roll with the punches, baby. You got to learn to, 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 to receive and, and, and stand. Sometimes all you can do is stand. You can't, <laughs> you can't pick up the mat right now. But you stand with the firm intention and you keep pressing in to Jesus. You may not be pressing in in the natural, but your inner man is being renewed day by day. Though the outward man perish, the inner man can always be renewed day by day. You're mourning, but you're mourning a healthy mourning, the loss of a loved one, because you're pressing into Jesus and you're looking for his comfort. My goodness, we may be here a while. One of the last things I want to say is you can't put new wine in old wine skins. The reason the majority of American churches are not moving forward is because they got saved and then they decided that they were going to do for God and move forward in their own strength, the same strength they had before they got saved. And Jesus is saying, look, when you become a new wineskin, you need the new wine. You need the Holy Spirit. If you could have done it in your own strength, you wouldn't have needed me in the first place. Jesus said, I go away, but it's better that I go, that I, I'll send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to preach a whole message on the Holy Spirit right here and right now. But you're going to need the Holy Spirit to move forward, to stand. He's your comforter. He comes alongside you. He teaches you all things. He shows you all things. He's the power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in your mortal body. And whatever, whatever you're going through, He's the one that's going to give you the strength to keep moving forward. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We are a full gospel church here. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We rely on them. We pray these things out. These are not man-made ideas here. We firmly believe, praying in the Spirit, praying in the understanding also. And we believe that this is what God has shown us through the, the Holy Spirit in us. We're hooked up. If you're going to wait for anything, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't get out ahead of God. Jesus told him to go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. See, that's the power we need. 
don't you get out there trying to witness in your own little pea brain strength. You be led by the Holy Spirit or you'll mess this up. The Holy Spirit will show you all things. So here we were. I'm up to here in water. The Chrysler engine's under the water. And guess what I said? I said, help! <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was panicking because it happened all of a sudden. It's like, well, I'm like, oh, my goodness, help! And I said, how? Swim for it. And I was about to jump out and try to swim for the bank over there. And Hal said, hold on. And he took that reverse throttle thing and went all the way in the forward. And I heard from under the water. And that Chrysler motor jumped us up out of the water, back on top of the water. And I said, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And so we bailed another 10 minutes. But at least we were floating. You got to keep moving forward. Now, who is our all-time example for everything good? Who came to live as an example for us? Jesus. You know, people wanted Jesus to settle. At one point, he had a large crowd, and his disciples says, well, his disciples said, the people of the town said, won't you stay here and just keep preaching here? You're drawing a big crowd. And Jesus says, no, I got to keep moving. There's other towns that I got to reach. See, he knew where he was heading. There was times when the disciples worried about Jesus. They said, Jesus, you ain't ate anything. You've been up all night praying, and you, you're not getting any sleep. They were concerned about Jesus. Jesus says, I have meat that you know not of. And that is to do the will of my Father. There's a drive in me that, that's stronger than my physical body. It will sustain you. He said in Luke 18, 1, he said that men are always to pray and to never give up. Don't never give up. He said, I must work while it is today. See, there's coming a day of rest. All of us, we, we were like, man, I just need some rest. Rest, rest, rest. There's coming a day of rest, but this ain't it. We got to work while the fields are white to harvest. What if the farmers didn't go pick the cotton while it was ready? Or get the beans while they were ready and just let them die on the vine? God is trying to show us that the fields are white to harvest. We got to work while it's light. When his best friend John was beheaded, he just wanted to get alone with the father and mourn. But he saw the crowds and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And it hurt his heart. He said, man, I got to do something. And so he began to minister to them. And that's a lesson for many of us whose hearts are hurting. Sometimes the best thing we can do is go help someone else. You know, when the storms of life came to Jesus, what did he do? I mean, Jesus faced the storms the same as me and you. He either calmed them or he walked right over them. The storms did not stop Jesus. They just demonstrated that God was with him. When his hometown wanted to push him off a cliff, what did he do? He said, he walked right through the midst of them like George Jefferson. 
Why? It ain't my time. It ain't my time. I ain't afeard because it ain't my time. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to do. He knew where he was going. When that storm hit, he knew that he had already said we're going to the other side. And he knew where he was getting to the other side when everybody else was afraid. When old Herod trying to intimidate Jesus, what did he say? In Luke 13, 32, he said, you go tell that fox, I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. I'm going to get her done. He was always moving forward to his destiny. When his disciples fell asleep in the garden because their spirit was willing but their flesh was weak, Jesus prayed. When all the disciples forsook him, when the soldiers came, what did Jesus do? He stayed the course. He said, keep moving forward. When he was... In those three courts that were a mockery of justice, surrounded by injustice, he remained true. He kept moving forward. He bore our lashes, our thorny crown. He took those nails in his hands and feet that were made for us. He endured our shame. And he kept moving forward. The weight of our sin. And he kept moving forward. The silence of all of heaven. When he had never been away from the Father, to the point that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? When he couldn't see any light, when he was in total silence, when the, all of our sin was upon him, he kept moving forward. He said, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Something on the inside of him would not let him quit. When everything Everyone had seemed to abandon him. When the shouts of crucify him were still ringing in his ears, he moved forward, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God where he ever lives to make intercession for us and tell us to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Don't let the devil talk us out of where we're going. Death couldn't hold him. He wouldn't sit still for death. That stone was rolled away. And he kept moving forward. When I used to work at FedEx, I'd clean the planes, you know, load the planes, and work on the planes all the time. I had the little 727s and the bigger DC-10s and kind of got used to them. But every now and then... They would allow a big old 747 to come in. And it would be full of packages and stuff. And they said that the Memphis International Runway, the longest runway, was barely long enough for a 747 to land or take off. So they'd have, it had to be a good pilot to get it to come down in here. Maybe they've lengthened them by now, I don't know. But I used to love when that 747 would come out there. And it wouldn't even be my plane to clean, but I'd go walk around on it. And it had an upstairs in it and everything. And, you know, if it was holding people, it would probably hold about 400 people on that thing. Just huge plane. Where the DC-10s had two engines, this thing had four engines. And I, I was just, I love airplanes. And so I was excited every time that 747 would come in for a landing. And I'd make sure when it would leave, I'd watch it take off. What do you think would happen if they're sitting at the end of that runway 
and the control tower says you're clear for takeoff, and that guy gives it all the throttle, you know. If you watch that plane, even though it's got those four huge engines, they begin to thrust all out the back and everything, and that thing just barely starts moving forward because it's just so heavy. But it starts getting forward momentum. And it, and it, and it just, the wheels start rolling on that thing. And once it starts moving, baby, you better watch out. That thing gets up to 100 miles an hour. I don't know how fast it needs to get before the, the wind underneath its wings will allow it to, to lift. I don't know. But I can tell you the Memphis runway ain't long enough for you to change your mind halfway down. You're either going to have to let her fly or you're going to crash through Shelby Drive. You listen to me? You either got to let her fly or you about to crash. And I'm sorry I scared the baby. Oh. I really am. I'm sorry. Maybe she was saying amen. Look, as a church, we are moving forward. We've got momentum. We're on the runway, but time is too short. Time is too short to turn back now. We got to pull that lever and we got to let her fly. Get on board. Get on board. It's time to move forward. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.